tuning in to our podcast, Salt and Light, where we'll cover foundational principles for being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Enjoy this episode with ears to hear and hearts that listen. So let's go check the facts with your host, also known as my dad, Casey Harrison. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Salt and Light Assembly, Building Relational Disciples where we correct genetically altered Christianity and we replace the fakes with the facts, building up firm foundations for a relationship with God, empowering disciples to disciple. Now, this is the last episode for this season in the origin story of Jesus, the genealogy of Jesus, Matthew 1-17. through So before we go any further, I want you to remember to go to the website, www.saltandlightassembly.org, so you can learn more about this ministry and sign up for our newsletter. That way you can keep up with what we're doing and what kind of impact that this ministry is having through the grace of God. Don't worry, we don't sell your emails to fund this ministry. Your privacy is very important to us. We will not sell your information. And while we're taking care of the housekeeping, before we go any further, be sure to like this episode on whatever platform you're listening on and subscribe to this podcast. Between the newsletter on the website and subscribing, that's going to help you know when the next episode's going to come out, since this is the last episode of the season. And it's going to be a few weeks before we actually come back with a new episode in our new series. And I don't want you to miss out on the series that's coming up next season. You see, the first season we covered the foundations, submitting to sovereignty, and the toolbox series, which actually told us what kind of tools God gave us to help us build a relationship with Him. This season was an example of how digging into the original culture of the Bible and the original scriptures can empower your daily development and relationship with Jesus. Next season, we're going to start really offending some people. We're going to be talking about prosperity, what it is and what it ain't. And what it is is what God said it is. And what it ain't is what man says prosperity is. That's what's coming up in the future season. Right now, I'm your host, Casey Harrison, and let's dig into the word that God has for us today and find out what he said. Now, for 17 weeks, we've been going through the origin story of Jesus. Every great hero has an origin story, right? And the Jesus origin story has not been lacking in substance. We've explored many different characteristics of Jesus, and we also have learned how God has been telling the entire world about Jesus hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born. And the verse that we're going to examine today wraps up all of the genealogy of Jesus. And the way God does this is really going to blow your mind. Check out the scripture with me. Matthew 1, 17. So all the generations of Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David to the captivity at Babylon are 14 generations. And from the captivity in Babylon until the Christ are 14 generations. Now some quick observations of this scripture at a glance. It doesn't seem like there's really much here, right? And it's okay if you don't see much in this scripture. I've read this scripture multiple times throughout the years and I didn't see anything either. That is until this week. Let me explain to you what I mean. Check out how many times the number 14 is in the scripture. It shows up three times. There is a numerology to the genius of God. First off, what does the number three mean in the Hebrew culture? It means perfection. What kind of perfection are we talking about here? Well, there's three sets of 14. And an interesting fun fact, the number 14 has different meanings in the Hebrew culture as well. So what three things does the number 14 represent? 
Another way of saying it is, what perfect things does the number 14 represent? First, it represents the Mishnah Torah. And I really hope I said that right. If you are of Jewish descent and I said that wrong, I apologize. I am only human. And for everyone else that doesn't know what the Mishnah Torah is, like me, I didn't know what the Mishnah Torah was. The Mishnah Torah is the oral law that was passed down from generation to generation in the Jewish culture. Now, this was done before the law of Moses was written down. Another interesting fact about the Mishnah Torah, there are 14 books in the Mishnah Torah. The second important representation of the number 14 is in the Jewish culture. It represents Purim. Now, you might be asking, what is Purim? Don't worry, I've got an answer. Purim is a joyous Jewish festival commemorating the survival of the Jews who in the 5th century BC were marked for death by their Persian rulers. You can learn all about that experience in the book of Esther. And the third representation of the number 14 is there was 14 steps in Passover. Now, Passover is the feast that celebrates the angel of death passing over the Jewish people. You know, the 10th plague that God brought down on the Egyptian people while the Israelites were under captivity and slavery in Egypt. Not to mention that that was the plague that brought Pharaoh to the point of, I've had enough. Just leave already. Okay, that's not exactly how scripture says it, and that's the way I heard it in my head every time that I read it. Now, why is all of this information so important? It's important because the life of Jesus that Matthew recorded reflects all three representations of the number 14. Let me explain. God had Matthew write the genealogy of Jesus as well as the entire book of Matthew in a very specific manner. It's almost like God had a plan. And I can't take all the credit for a lot of the information that I'm about to share. My research brought me to a website called The Bible Project where they give a really good overview of the book of Matthew. And I'll leave a link in the description below if you want to check it out. But the three representations of the number 14 are walked out through the life of Jesus. The Mishnah Torah. Let's take that one first. The Jewish people were expecting the Messiah to mirror Moses. But not just mirror Moses, to be better than Moses. Understand that the Jewish people had the Mishnah Torah before God gave Moses the written law. Pretty much God said, Moses, write down exactly what I say. And that became the written Torah, the law of Moses. A written combination of the oral tradition that was passed down from generation to generation and the written word of God that God gave to Moses. Okay? Keep in mind, because this is very important. There are many different types or many different sects of Jewish believers. In the same way that there's different divisions of Catholics and Baptists and Muslims, Pentecostals and others, you know, all kinds of denominations. The list can go on and on. And the reason the list can go on and on is because, unfortunately, when people don't agree on something, they typically just split away instead of starting a conversation and trying to figure out how both sides actually work well together. And knowing that there are different types of Jewish people and Jewish belief systems that are out there, that plays a very vital role in Jesus proving that he was greater than Moses. But before we get into that, let's see how the life of Jesus is comparable to the life of Moses. Because Matthew draws parallels between Moses and Jesus, parallels that the Jewish people would catch on to quite easily. A lot easier than other people around the world. You see, you'll find in the book of Matthew different events of the life of Jesus that are similar to the events in the life of Moses. Moses came out of Egypt. Jesus came up out of Egypt. Moses crossed the Red Sea. Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. Not to mention that later on he would walk on the water on the Sea of Galilee. 
Moses wandered the wilderness for 40 years. Jesus was led into the wilderness for 40 days. Moses goes up on a mountain and received the Ten Commandments. Jesus goes up on the mountain and gives out a new teaching, also known as the Sermon on the Mount. These parallels would have been very significant to all Jewish people to connect Jesus to the God of the Old Testament. To connect Jesus to the God of the Mishnah Torah. Because these parallels combined with everything else Jesus did while he walked this earth showed Jesus fulfilling the Mishnah Torah. Fulfilling the law that all Jews, all of God's chosen people, no matter what sect they were in, all the law that every Jew agreed upon. Jesus fulfilled the law, the Mishnah Torah. In fact, he said it for himself. I did not come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill it. That's the first 14 in the origin story of Jesus. Now to the second 14, the Purim. How did Jesus reflect Purim through his life on this earth? Well, as we discussed, Purim is the celebration of the Jews' survival after they were marked for death by their Persian rulers, right? Well, did you know that all mankind, Jew and Gentile, were all marked for death from the day we were born? It's called the curse of man. Remember, Adam and Eve, garden, mankind is cursed because of disobedience. That means every man is meant to die once. And through the sinless life of Jesus, Him dying on the cross in our place and being raised from the grave, we can now survive after being marked for death by the satanic ruler of this world, Satan himself. Which brings us to the third 14, Passover. How does Jesus reflect Passover. Do you know in the book of Exodus why the angel of death passed over the houses and didn't kill the firstborn? It wasn't because some were God's chosen people and some were not. God gave specific instructions to the Jewish people. Kill a lamb and paint its blood over the doorframe of the house. The angel of death will see that blood and pass by the blood because the blood will not allow the angel of death entrance into the house to kill them. When Jesus was beaten, his blood painted the ground all the way around him. When he hung on the cross, his blood flowed down that wood. In fact, that's why the cross is considered the doorway to redemption. Death can't enter the door and kill you because you're covered behind the blood on the cross. Death has no hold on you after you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, which means entering into a relationship with him. So it's no wonder why God used 14 three times. God wasn't just being repetitious. In fact, if God ever repeats himself, then I suggest to you to investigate why. Because it's going to be important. In Matthew 1.17, through the genealogy of Jesus, these three segments of the 14 generations, God is confirming the origin story of Jesus. The purpose and the promise. Protecting the purpose. The pullback. The knowing of Jesus. The IRA of Jesus. The selflessness of Jesus. The vision of Jesus. The notice of Jesus. The peace of Jesus. How Jesus showed up. The stress of Jesus. 
the instinctive reaction of Jesus, the honor of Jesus, the genius of Jesus, the generosity of Jesus, the defying impossibility of Jesus. How? How is God confirming it? Remember the first verse that started this whole origin story of Jesus. There were three names written in reverse order. Jesus Christ, Son of David, Son of Abraham. Go look at Matthew 1.1 if you want to check it for yourself. Now look at the three meanings of 14 in reverse order. Because I gave these to you in the exact order of significance that I found them. Through the life of Jesus, He became the Passover Lamb. That's the first 14. The blood of the Passover Lamb is what makes it now possible for all who accept Jesus to survive their Purim. That's the second 14. Through the life and His actions, He fulfilled all the law. And that's the third 14. Because doing all of that created a new covenant of eternal life and allowed it to be accessible to everyone. That's the origin story that God told about Jesus. Everybody, I want to thank you for joining me down this journey of the genealogy of Jesus, the origin story of Jesus, and hearing what God had to say through the names of His people that He lined up for Jesus to walk this earth. And before you log off, I want you to be sure to hit that like button, subscribe on whatever platform you're on, leave an encouraging comment, and share this message with somebody that needs to hear it. Share the whole series, because time is short. I'm not sure if you realize the disasters that are happening in this world, not only to America, but all around the world. He's coming back soon. So I'm going to say in the words of Mark Rutland, he just preached for Jensen Franklin, get off the porch and do your job. Spread the good news and make disciples of all ethnic groups to anyone that has an ear to hear. And then be sure to keep your ears and your eyes open for the next series. It'll be coming out in a few weeks. And we're going to dive into prosperity. What it is, what it ain't. And what it is, is whatever God said it is. And what it ain't, is whatever mankind says it is. So I hope you join us for that as well. And if you want to support this ministry and support getting God's Word out there to everybody that needs it, which is, a.k.a. everybody, you can go to our website, www.saltandlightassembly.org. And there's three different ways that you can actually support this ministry right now. Learn about us. And while you're on the website, you can also submit your question for our YouTube station. Real questions, God's answers. Let's find out what he said. But until next time, everybody, be bold, be strong, and be blessed.